On behalf of the faculty, and the staff, and the administration, I'd like to say to you, graduates, that we are all very proud of you. God called you to prepare for ministry, and you responded. Like Abraham and Sarah, many of you said painful goodbyes and put your plans on hold. You moved across the country, and you embarked on three to four years, five or six years <laughs> of arduous study. You endured rigorous classes, late nights, and challenging assignments. Even more, you accepted the invitation to struggle with your own theological questions as well as those questions that actually belong to other people. So tonight, as we send you off, we say to you, well done. For a few moments, I'd like for us to think about the importance of gratitude in our lives and ministries. God has blessed me with a wonderful family. My wife, Kristen, tutors me in kindness. My oldest son, Timothy, teaches me about grace. And my youngest son, Daniel, shows me how to laugh. In particular, Daniel has had a quirky sense of humor since he was a toddler. I vividly recall an evening just over a decade ago when Daniel was somewhere around three years old. We were going through our, our typical evening routine. We had already had our game of, of Nerf dodgeball in the hallway of our duplex. We had already bathed the boys, brushed their teeth, and put them in bed, and we were now saying our prayers. Kristen and I had already prayed. Timothy had voiced his prayer. And it was time for Daniel to pray. Kristen and I knelt down beside his bed and closed our eyes, and Daniel started to pray. And he said, Dear God. And then he paused for a few moments before he continued and said, Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and he said it in an amazingly good Elvis Presley voice, uh, far better than I can do. As you would expect, our whole family laughed, and Kristen and I were wondering aloud how Daniel had even heard of or uh, heard Elvis Presley ever in his life. But despite my initial laughter, after the boys went to bed, fell asleep, I grew slightly irritated. My initial reaction was to think that my three-year-old had made a mockery out of prayer. He had turned our prayer time into playtime. The killjoy in me wanted to remind my son the next morning what a real prayer sounded like and what the real purposes of prayer are. And then it dawned on me that even amid his humor, Daniel had actually prayed a prayer that was theologically quite rich. In fact, every time I started to think what, about what he was supposed to pray at night before he went to bed, I realized that, dear God, thank you. Thank you very much. That was simply a better prayer than I could come up with on my own, despite my ministerial experience and my theological degrees. I cannot help but think that most religious authorities in the first century 
would have had a similar reaction to the Samaritan leper in Luke 17, 11 to 19, the passage that Dr. Creech read for us just a few moments ago. Most who worshipped God in the first century would have assumed that the Samaritan's leprosy was a result of his own sin. And most would have assumed that the Samaritan knew little or nothing about God or good theology. And yet in the end, the Samaritan's actions revealed that he in fact deeply understood one of the most elemental of all theological concepts, that of gratitude. We would do well over the course of our lives and ministries to repeatedly recall the lessons that Luke teaches in chapter 17. First, we must avoid the mistakes of the nine lepers who failed to acknowledge that they had been given a gift. They experienced miraculous healing in their lives, and yet their perceptions of Jesus were still diseased. Worst of all, they failed to recognize the magnitude of the blessing they had received. Perhaps they simply grew so excited that they failed to reflect back on their past experiences. Perhaps they dismissed the wonder-working power of Jesus as mere happenstance. Or perhaps they possessed a sense of entitlement. But regardless, those nine lepers moved forward into their futures without gratitude. That's a mistake we cannot afford to make. Unfortunately, all too often, Christians and ministers are tempted to act more like the nine lepers than the one. In truth, graduates, you have been given a gift. You've had the rare privilege of a theological education. Many have longed for this privilege, but few have had the opportunity. What you should never do is merely bask in your theological knowledge while failing to develop a disposition of gratitude. In particular, we must remember to thank those whom God has used as his instruments of healing and blessing in our lives and in our ministries. Quite practically, beginning today, be sure to thank your family and your friends who have enabled your journey up to this point in your lives. And also, please realize that no matter how much you had to pay to attend Truett Seminary, and that includes your parking tickets, and for a few of you, your towing fees, someone else paid far more. Be sure to thank Baylor, the Baptist General Convention of Texas, and the donors who funded your scholarships and made your seminary education possible. Second, from Luke 17, we should notice that the priests were distracted by their religious duties. When we read Luke 17, we rightly focus on the ten lepers, but I often wonder about those priests to whom Jesus sent the healed lepers. Everyone knew that the priests were unable to heal leprosy. Instead, the priests were simply called to serve as witnesses who verified God's miraculous work. Unfortunately, the, the priest in Luke's gospel failed to fully recognize God's work in the world. Can you imagine what those priests must have been thinking? 
At least nine former lepers showed up on the priest's doorstep all at the same time describing how they had been healed. And yet Luke never tells us that those priests sought out Jesus, fell at his feet, or praised God like the Samaritan leper did. Why not? Perhaps the priests were simply distracted by their many duties. Perhaps they thought too highly of themselves and their religious rituals. As Christians and ministers, we must avoid the mistakes of those priests. Perhaps we, like the priests, will be tempted to allow administrative responsibilities and busy schedules to suffocate our gratitude. Do not let them. Or perhaps we will be tempted to give ourselves too much credit for the healing God is doing around us. As you well know, more than one minister has been tempted to develop a Messiah complex that thinks God sent him or her to save the world single-handedly. Or a sage complex that thinks she has the definitive answers to all of life's questions. Or a God complex that believes the entire church and perhaps the entire world revolves around him. Instead, we must always see our ministries as privileged front row seats to the grand event of God's work in the world. We're very lucky. We get ringside seats at births and deaths. We get backstage passes at dramatic conversions, radical transformations, quiet submissions, and the triumph of justice, but we are only witnesses. Unlike the priest in Luke 17, we must faithfully recognize God's redemptive work in the world, and then we must point people to him. Ministry is never about us. If people seem drawn to your church, your preaching, or your personality, do not be fooled. They are not drawn to you. They are drawn to Christ who is at work through you. Finally, from Luke 17, we must learn that genuine faith always leads to gratitude. Luke tells us that all ten lepers were healed, but Jesus only refers to the Samaritan as having faith and being saved. The Samaritan's healing rightly leads him to faith in Jesus, the true source of his healing, and in turn, faith leads the Samaritan to express his gratitude to the healer. Despite the time and effort you have invested in your theological education, your faith is inadequate if it does not properly result in gratitude to the triune God and to those through whom God is at work. Today, I pray that your seminary education has deepened and broadened your awareness of the God we serve, the God who has healed us. And I pray that your broader and deeper faith will become ever more entwined with a broader and deeper sense of gratitude. As you take time to consider the journey you have completed and those on which you are about to embark, I exhort you to be like the Samaritan. 
Let gratitude flow from a robust faith and let it shape your sense of ministerial identity and calling. Amid your ministries, never lose sight of the wonder and the joy of the front row seats as you serve as witnesses to the work of God in this world. Throughout our ministries, we will do well if we can pause each night and reflect back on the work that God has done around us that day. And even if, even if our circumstances prevent us from saying anything else, at the very least, we should utter these words. Dear God, thank you. Thank you very much. Amen.